0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. So let's pray, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. I want to thank you for these children and young people, Lord. Um, I thank you for even at their age, some of them are already serving in the years ahead. They'll be serving you and uh, sharing Jesus Christ. And we thank you this morning, Lord, that the greatest gift given to us was the gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we give gifts this year, uh, let us remember together uh, that you are the greatest gift giver when you gave us your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you again. Bless them as they go now. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, you guys. Have a good good time in children's church and children's choir. All right. Hey, somebody left me some M&Ms up here. Kevin, did you leave these? There's four of them, three orange and one green one. I don't know what the symbolism is of that, but um, I think they look like they've been in Kevin's mouth, so I'm going to put them down here. <laughs> so the Dallas, a Dallas class decorated for us yesterday. So they uh, decorated the church, so thank you for doing that. So, wish list. Um, You know, what is a wish list? Uh, This is the time of year where, I know oftentimes, at least when our children were young, we would ask them, put together a list of some ideas of what you want for Christmas. didn't mean you are going to get it all. In fact, it generally meant you wouldn't get it all, (laughs) but... You know, Lisa gives us some ideas of what you're interested in. I was going to ask the kids, but uh, I heard the other day, it was kind of surprising to me that even in this era of electronic um, gadgets and high-tech, you know what the number one requested toy still is? Legos. Legos. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Legos. All right, Cameron. Legos, uh, the old style put together and designed uh, with your hands. Um, a wish list. A, a, a wish list. Yesterday, well, I have grandchildren. Some of them are up here, but I have a, I have a, one grandson who's in grade school, and he had a birthday uh, this last month. And he, and of course, so he had a, some ideas he wanted for his birthday and Christmas, and among other things, he wanted a sleep number bed. So, <laughs> 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 sleep number bed. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think I'll let Betty buy that. (laughs) And, uh, until my, my, uh, my other daughter, not his aunt, uh, does he know that that's generally for two people, (laughs) a sleep number bed, you know? (laughs) They don't make them in single beds, I don't think. And then, uh, my other grand, another one of my grandson is not in school yet. Yesterday we were talking that we were out yesterday and asked him, what, what, what do you want for Christmas? Legos. And a light bulb. Light bulb. Yeah, seriously, a light bulb. light bulb. Yeah, I want a light bulb. <laughs> so, so, that one I can get. I'll get a light bulb. So, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's fluorescent or one of these up here or headlamp or, but actually I do know. He wants a light bulb and I found out why. So, a wish list. Um, this morning our theme is hope. Our Advent theme this, today is hope. And we want to talk about hope. Hope is different than a wish. And when it comes to the Bible, and when the Bible talks to us about hope, it's much different than a wish or a desire. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray as we open your word this morning that uh, we would hear your words again, and uh, we do thank you for the privilege of just coming, we had a great time in our Sunday school all all ages this morning, uh, sharing around your word and the wonderful uh, story of Christmas. It's a wonderful time of year for us, Lord, to once again be reminded of the miracle of the incarnation. And each, each week now until Christmas, as we contemplate uh, a theme, as we think about hope today, uh, might our hearts be open to what you would have for us and take it home with us and put it to action in our lives this week. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, for our Christmas uh, hope message this morning, I'd like you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, because the word hope is uh, quite prominent in uh, the epistles and uh, throughout the New Testament, but especially well throughout the Bible. But in the epistles, we have in this particular chapter in chapter 1 of Colossians, we actually have the word hope. Three times. This is one of Paul's later epistles. It's one of the prison epistles he wrote while he was in, under house arrest in Rome around 60 A.D. We think he was martyred probably around 65, 66, sometime maybe in that era. We're not sure exactly, 64. Um, so it is toward the end of his life. And he writes in Colossians, and we're not. It's, it's throughout the first chapter, so I just want to highlight the first two, then we're really going to focus on the third one. But let's look at Colossians chapter 1, and we'll read some of this. Let's read uh, verse 3. We always, so whoever's with him while he's in house arrest, who is ever helping and ministering with him, and he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Incidentally, as far as we know, Paul has never been to Colossae. Colossae is inland from Ephesus, and he had been to Ephesus, and he would met some of the elders and leaders, but he probably has not been to Colossae. But he says, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and we've heard also of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope, There's our first occurrence in chapter 1, of the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. The hope that is, that is stored up, it's put away. You know, um, some in, in eras gone by, we, people would talk more of hope chests, things you would put in the hope chest, stored away. And Paul says this hope is stored away in heaven for you. And you have already heard about it in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over this world. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. So the first occurrence talks about the hope that is stored up. And this is to believers like you and like me. The hope that God has preserved for us and stored up. The hope we have of eternity. Eternity, resurrection, eternal life is a wonderful hope. The Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians when he talks when he talks about the resurrection chapter in chapter 15 and the and the fact that our bodies will be changed and we will and we will be with the Lord and in Thessalonians we will be with the Lord forever. It's a wonderful wonderful hope. Amen. A hope of eternity. A hope that, that there's more to life than what we have here. And this is why we talked last week about of all people, Christians, the ability to enjoy the gifts that God has given us, to enjoy the beautiful things and the wonderful things. I hope you enjoyed this week being with your family, uh, friends, uh, sharing in a wonderful meal. Uh, last week at our dinner at church we had on Sunday night, the things we anticipate uh, this this season. And I just again, I'll, just a little pastorly advice. And I I always speak to my first myself first. This is the time of year we end up saying to ourselves. Oh, it's, it's so busy, you know, this, that's so busy. And of all times, this should be a time that we as Christians should just enjoy. We should enjoy the things we have to do. We should enjoy, you know, some of the classes the ladies are having, their ornament exchanges. Our class, the guys get together in the garage. Uh, it's a nice garage. <laughs> and uh, and we have a time of, of fellowship and exchanging tools and things. Um, it's just, it's It's good. Uh, The Christmas Eve service, the the, the celebration we had this morning, the choir presentations, the Christmas tea next week, ladies, the the annual. So many women talk about how it's such a wonderful way to start the season off uh, with the Christmas brunch. And it's going to be a wonderful presentation, the gospel story as well, uh, next Saturday. These are good things. These are wonderful things. And and times with our family and friends that we should enjoy. Because of this hope of eternity, that there is more to life, there is more than, than, it doesn't end when this life ends here. And that would be, as Paul says, if that's what we're preaching, of all people, we're, we're the most foolish because we're lying to people if this is all there is. The hope stored up in heaven for us. And then Paul goes on in this, in this chapter. And the next the next occurrence we're going to look at is in verse 21. And uh, I'd like to pick up, so next, next week, uh, not maybe next week, but sometime during this Christmas season, we are going to look at verses 15 through 18 and, and really talk about the miracle of the incarnation. The, the miracle of the incarnation that that baby born in a manger. Uh, every year, you know, we have the, the manger seen in front of us and we're reminded that this baby was fully God and fully human. It is an absolute miracle, amazing mystery for us to contemplate every year. How could that, any of you that have held a baby, most of you probably at some time have held a baby. You know, we have three babies coming here in the next few months at our church. And to, to hold a newborn baby and, and to think that this baby Mary held was God. And it was man. It was 100% man and 100% God without sin and a miracle of the Incarnation. And we're going to consider that. But in verse 19, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness, and we'll come back to this as well, dwell in him, and through him to reconcile, a very important word in Colossians, reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now verse 21, once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Think about this. This is what he's talking to believers. So he's talking to you and he's talking to me. That by Christ's death on the cross, he presents you holy. Do you think of yourself that way? Do you think of yourself as holy? I don't. I don't think of myself that way in my, in my humanity and in my limitations. But this is what the Bible says. He's going to present us holy. Holy. What a hope. Holy in His sight, without blemish, free from accusation. Satan would be the one who would accuse us and say, They're not worthy. They're not worthy. And God could say, yes, they are, because Jesus Christ paid for their sins on the cross of Calvary. They are worthy. They are holy. They are without blemish. Verse 23, If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And the hope here that Paul says that this hope is held out in the gospel, the good news. And this gospel is what you have heard and it's been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. That would be for another time to study what Paul means by that. The word hope, second time. And he's building up to this last, this last passage here. And I want you to look at, so verses 24 through 27 are really are the, most of our text this morning. And the first verse is a little difficult. Now, when we gather like this on Sunday mornings and I preach from God's Word, you know, there, and I know we have a spectrum here today of people that this, who are pretty new in the Christian faith. And some of these difficult things are are really new. Some of you have walked with the Lord longer than I have by far, Uh, some of you have walked with the Lord as long as I've been alive. And, uh, and, and um, some of you here maybe don't know Christ as Savior. Maybe this is all brand new to you. So when we cover these things, some of the things I will mention are, are a little challenging, are a little difficult. Some are a little easier to grasp. And this verse 24 is one of those difficult ones. And I, I, do, I do want to touch on it, though. Now I rejoice in what was suffered, this is Paul, for you, and I fill up in my flesh... What is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And this is a little challenging verse because what we teach in our church and what we believe the Bible teaches in the history of the New Testament, uh, the, the, the faith, the Protestant church and the New Testament that we base this on, that when Christ died on the cross, we refer to it as the what work? The finished work of Christ. Meaning that when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, all that was needed for my salvation was accomplished. There's nothing I can ever do. That's the, whole, that's the whole point of the gospel. That's why it's the grace of God. There's nothing that I can do to add to what Christ, when Christ died on the cross of Calvary, the gospel message, and Paul's referred to that death already, is that God's judgment, his anger, against sin, his wrath against sin, because he is holy and pure and just, and sin is so dark, it's so dark, that God poured out all of his justice and wrath on sin on Christ as a sacrifice. And in those three hours of darkness, I believe, when the Lord said, uh, well, when when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was three hours of darkness that no human could watch and see the Son of God suffering and paying the price and carrying our sin, that when He said, it is finished, that that was finished. It's the finished work of Christ. And when He was placed in the grave and He rose from the dead and He conquered death, we preach that when you put your faith in this, when you receive Christ, and this is what you're doing, when we ask you to receive Christ as your Savior, what we're asking you, on behalf of the Gospel, we are asking you on behalf of of God through the Apostle Apostolic message given, we beg of you, we ask of you, would you consider that Christ died for your sin, He loves you so much, God loves you so much, that Jesus Christ came to earth, was born as a baby, grew to be a man, went to the cross, paid for your sin, and what God asks of you is that you would receive that gift. We talked about gifts this morning. And you receive a gift. If, if I gave you a gift, if I gave Chris a gift at Christmas time, and I gave him a gift, and just as he's opening it, I said, Chris, but, and of course you understand, you have to come and cut my grass for the next six months. <laughs> right? That is no longer a gift. That is now payment for a job. If I give Chris a gift, there are no strings attached. There is nothing he has to do but what? Receive it and open it. If he receives it and sets it in the pew and goes home, is that his gift? No, he's got to receive it, but he's got to open it and receive it. And that's really why we talk about the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it is a finished work. But you notice what Paul says here? This is kind of interesting because he says, I fill up in my suffering. Paul says in my suffering and he had been whipped five times. He had been stoned and left for dead. He had been beaten he, he had suffered physically terribly. I mean, he, he had to have marks and maybe disfigurement, you know, when he was whipped like that. Um, 39 lashes. And, you know, I read to them, my class last week from the Mishnah, from the Jewish regulations of the day, and how they regulated that because 40 could kill a man. And, 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 and he was disfigured. He was beaten. He was beaten. He was suffering. And he says here, I do this for what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. Now, how, how could he say, if the finished work of Christ is finished, how could he say what I'm going through is helping to make up for what is lacking in Christ's affliction? This is sort of a dilemma. And <clears throat> what I want to suggest to you, because you notice the next phrase, for the sake of his body, which is the church. And what I want to suggest to you is that Paul is referring to his apostolic ministry as the apostle to the Gentile world. And there are many Bible commentators. Many of the Bible commentators reflected and remarked on this, on this very thing. Uh, professor Wall at South Pacific University. Is he still a professor there in Bible studies? Um, professor Wall, um, a graduate of Dallas Seminary, and uh, has a great commentary on Colossians, and he makes this—he makes this comment: His suffering is another way of calling attention to the importance of completing the Gentile mission. And I believe what Paul is saying, what he's referring to here, he's not referring to Christ's atonement for our salvation, but he's—he's—he's a, he's a, he's a, he's applying this to his mission in fulfilling this ministry of taking this message to the gentile world and that's that's what was lacking what was lacking was when Christ died and when he and when he went, rose and when and when Paul was called and road to Damascus and he was called to take this gospel to the gentile world he was calling Paul to do this Jesus did not come back to earth and go travel to Asia Minor to Greece to Rome he did not do that he sent the apostle out and he sent the other apostles and he sent the messengers out and he is, and so in a sense, you could say that, that Paul is filling up what was left to do by completing his mission, which included the suffering. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? I think that's what Paul's referring to. And many of the commentators pointed out the exact same thing. I think that's how you reconcile this with this understanding that Christ's finished work is adequate, and there's nothing that can be added to that. Let's, let's look on now. Verse 25. Paul says this. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, it's again the ministry he'd been given, the glorious riches of this mystery, and he tells us what it is, which is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul, I just want to stop and reflect and remind you this very important truth. When We talk about the message of the gospel and God's plan of salvation that was unfolded. You are, you are part of this plan. If you are here today and you claim Christ as your Savior, and you have the hope of the resurrection. You have the hope of eternal life. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life today. You have been saved by God's grace. You have the, the hope stored up from you in heaven. Not a wish list. Not a, I, I hope it might happen, but a hope in the biblical sense of this foundational truth that this is where our hope is. If you have that, you are part of this process. This is why it's important. You are part of this story. I am part of this story. This is very important. And Paul explains here what, how this came about. Paul says in verse twenty five, I became the servant of this gospel ministry, of, of filling up what was lacking, what, what what Christ left to be accomplished. I, I had this commission, and I, I received this commission God gave me. Now in the NIV it has the word commission. In the original language, it's the word that we get the word dispensation from. And you'll know some of your translations will use the word dispensation. It's the word economia, which we get our English word what? Well, economia sounds like economy. Economy has to do with how you, how you run a household, how you run something. You know, we, we talk a lot about our economic system, our economy. And the word in the, in the Greek had the idea of how you run a household. And there were people that in the average Greek home that, that they, would, they could afford, they could have a servant or a steward who was in charge of running the household. The master of the house, you know, the man of the house and so on would go about doing his thing, and the steward was, was responsible to take care and make sure the household ran. He was the, he was, he was the He had the stewardship. He had the commission to do this. And this is why we use the word dispensation or dispensational in our, talking about our theology, because in the King James translation, the word dispensation is routinely used to translate this word here, and so we could say here, Paul says, "I, I have been, I become its servant by the dispensation, the stewardship that God gave to me to present to you the word of God in its fullness." This is so important that we understand there's a fullness to God. That's why you're here this morning to worship. You're here to worship to celebrate. Why do we, why do we meet the first day of the week? Huh? It's what? It's resurrection. Every Sunday is Easter. We meet the first day of the week because it's Resurrection Day. You come here to worship. You come here to fellowship. You come here to learn from God's Word, the the fullness of what God has for us in our salvation. And Paul says it was I was given this stewardship. God chose me. And elsewhere, Paul says, of all people, I am the least worthy. I was the first of sinners. I was the chief of sinners. I would, Paul says, I am the most unlikely person on the face of the earth to be called by God to take this message to the Gentile world. Why? Because Paul says, I persecuted the church. I killed Christians. I hauled them off. There were people still alive, as Paul wrote this, who did no longer had a father or mother because they were killed because of Paul's work. There were Christians who, who, who had blasphemed, who had, turned their, who, who, had, who had turned on their faith publicly, because of Paul. It says in the Bible he was wrecking havoc. He was a wrecking ball. There was a house in my neighborhood. One day as I walked by, the house was there, and I saw a truck there, and I thought, they're going to take this house down. I went back at 5 o'clock, and the house was gone. The house was gone. And a few months later, a big house was built. <laughs> Paul was a wrecking ball to the Christian church. That's what he was. And Paul says, of all people, I deserve this the least. But God did this on purpose. There was a reason. Because Paul says, I am a living example that if if God could call me and put me into ministry, there is nobody that could ever say, I am beyond hope, I am beyond salvation. Paul was an example. And Paul says, this commission God gave me to present this fullness, and we are part of that. And here he says, verse 26, this mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but it is now disclosed to the saints. And we talk about, because hope is our theme today, is connected with this word, this mystery. And this is, a, from our view of understanding Scripture, it's important to understand what this is. And Paul's going to tell us what this is. This mystery. If I were to ask the young people today when they are up here, you know, what's a mystery? They would think in terms of maybe a mystery story. You know, there's a lot of children's mystery novels and mystery shows and so forth. This idea of trying to solve something. In the Bible, the idea of mystery that, that has been revealed is something that, is, that was not previously known, but is now revealed. It would be like if I had a statue here and I had a cover over it. Or if I had a cover over that tree. Or if the tree lights were off and you couldn't see them. And we had like to have downtown, the, you know, the throw the switch and the lights come on. What you couldn't see is now revealed. In the Bible, Paul is saying there was something that, that God had planned. It was not plan B. This is not plan B. This is not because the people, the leadership of Israel refused to accept Christ as Messiah, as Paul was doing. So God came up with an alternate plan. It was part of his plan all along, because he is an all knowing, all sovereign God who is in charge of everything. It was part of his plan. And part of his plan was that he was going to do something amazing that nobody had ever suspected, nobody had ever thought of, nobody in a million years would have dreamed up that he was going to create a new people of God made of Jew and Gentile, all races, all genders, all, all backgrounds, all cultures, all over the world. And in, in the Bible talks about this Jew and Gentile, this, this disparity, this issue, this problem. That the Jews who had a relationship with God through the covenant, who were God's people, God's chosen people, and these pagan Gentiles, who, 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 in their religious life, were was so corrupt and so far off from what worshiping the one true God. It wasn't even understood, they didn't even think about a one true God. It was all these gods, and the Bible said God had a plan to bring these two together and to open up the way of salvation on equal basis for every person through simple faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. This had never been revealed. Yes, salvation to the Gentiles had been revealed in the Old Testament. This had clearly been revealed. It was going to come through Israel's ministry through the Kingdom Age. Clearly it was revealed. But this whole new people of God, Jew and Gentile, male and female, bond or free, slave or free, all coming on equal basis through simple faith in Christ was something that had never been revealed and God called the apostle Paul and said I'm sending you to the gentile world with this message and it was it was hard there were people who loved it and there were people who hated it and Paul and, and Paul goes with this ministry this this mystery and he says here he says in verse 26 this mystery had been kept hidden for ages but is now disclosed to the saints now. Here, to them, God has chosen. That is to the saints, to the church, the body of Christ. It's us. God has entrusted us with this message, friends. God has given us the stewardship. We have been entrusted with a ministry. This this Christmas season, um, it's awfully easy to get um, to get negative. You know, we'll, we'll find ourselves. I don't know about you, but I get so tired of hearing about Black Friday, you know, and Thursday night and now cyber. I understand it all. And, and, and retail is a part of our lives. Many of you work in retail. Uh, it's part of my life. You tithe the church and I'm hired by the church. And so, you know, it, it's, it's part of who we are. I understand that. But it's, it is easy to get awfully negative on the commercialization of Christmas and the, and the frenzy and everything else. But what a wonderful time of year, friends. What a wonderful time of year to have a good attitude. To be happy. And to radiate the joy, the joy of this season. That God sent His Son, born as a baby in Bethlehem, to provide eternal life and forgiveness for sins. What a joy. What a time to reflect and at all times of the year that hearts might be open because of this time of year. To share the gospel. The Apostle Paul says God has now disclosed this mystery. He's put it in his hands. It's been passed on to us. God has chosen. Verse 27. What is this mystery? God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And these two thoughts come together here. These two thoughts come together, and, and and I want you to think about this: that that when it when it comes to this message, there is a goal. The word reconciliation. To re, you know what the word reconcile means? If some of you, some of you balance your checkbooks, I say some of you because some of you because I'm not so great at that. If it's off, if it's off a couple of bucks, I figure it's my mistake, not the banks. But I know for some of you accountants, that's heresy. You know, <laughs> I understand that we're all different. You know, you reconcile your books, you bring them to where they match, to where it's it's where it's supposed to be. Reconciliation, and the Bible talks about the ministry of reconciliation. That's what's happened with with God. You have, if you're if you're a Christian, you have been reconciled with God you brought about into the right relationship with God. The goal of reconciliation, the mystery is, there is a goal of reconciliation. The goal is to bring us into right relationship with God. And in that process, the goal also, according to Paul, was to bring Jew and Gentile together into this unified reconciliation with God. Now again, we don't think of the world as Jew and Gentile. But in the Bible context, this was important because the Jews were God's chosen people. God's goal, the mystery, the goal of the mystery is reconciliation. That is the goal. And part of that goal is to bring all of us together As I am reconciled to God and you are reconciled to God and you are reconciled to God and you are reconciled to God, we are reconciled to God and we are reconciled to one another because we are part of a new family. The minute you become a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're here today, maybe you're a recent believer in Jesus Christ, you became part of a new family, a new entity, the new people of God, and you are reconciled, we are reconciled to one another Because we are reconciled together to God. That is the goal. That is the goal of the mystery. Paul clearly tells us that that's what it is. There is the goal of the mystery and there is the means how it is accomplished. And that is what? In Christ. That is the means by how it is accomplished. And that is so important because the means is not by my good works and your good works. By my trying hard enough and your trying hard enough. For mine being Christian enough and you being Christian enough, if you will, in our lifestyle. The means by which we are reconciled together to God is because of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here in this passage, the hope of glory. Christmas hope. This is our hope. This mystery that the two are brought together. This mystery that Jew and Gentile are joint recipients and the mystery of Jesus Christ as God's secret go hand in hand. And Paul was called to bring this to the Gentile world. Go home and read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, where Paul so clearly talks about, to me, of all people, was given this task of taking this ministry, this message of the new people of God to the Gentile world. This dispensation of the grace of God. The hope of glory. Now, here's the important thing I want you to take home with you today as we go home today. As we begin this Christmas season together, As our first Sunday of of Advent. And I I like this tradition. This is a tradition we started not that many years ago. came out of our worship committee. And I think, you know, we're not real liturgical at our church. We don't do a lot of liturgical things. But I, I like this tradition. I hope you do too. It's just, it's just a tradition. It's a worship tradition. And each Sunday as we'll have a different family intergenerationally come and, and light the candle to remind us each Sunday of, these, of the themes and, and to the light the Christ candle. And today's theme is hope. Hope is a wonderful thing, my friends. Hope stored up for you. But listen, sometimes we catch ourselves thinking just in terms of this hope stored up in heaven. But the impact of this on your life and on my life is the hope and what God has done for us now. If you read Colossians one, it is everything here most is in the present tense. He has reconciled you. He has given you hope. He has brought life. We'll read in Paul's letters. He has brought peace. This has already happened, and you are to experience this today. I like again what Professor Wall said in his commentary, he says this, the hope of glory is not just the future, the future hope, but hope in the one who is already glorified. We are to have a hope for a transformed people today. The Apostle emphasizes that a vital relationship with the glorified Christ in a profoundly hopeful orientation toward the possibilities of life on this side of the Lord's return. Our lives should be profoundly impacted by the hope of Christ. This mystery, this mystery that now has been revealed, that now is experienced in our lives, should impact who we are and how we live today. This understanding and realization that God loves us. God has forgiven us. God has claimed us holy, in spite of how you feel about that. God has claimed you holy. It's in God's word I read to you this morning. That God has made you just. That you you will not stand before God in fear that you know the wish list that maybe your name will be on there and maybe it won't. If that's what we preach, then we're preaching then we're then we're telling lie. We're telling people a lie. Because that's not what the Bible says. It is a hope. More secure is what? No one ever in the loved ones of the Savior, Christ in you. You know we marvel. We talked this morning and talked a little bit about my friends here. The marvel of the incarnation. How how could we ever, how could we ever, begin to comprehend that that baby born in the manger? How could a baby be God? it? When, when did he? When did he know he was God? When was he... Con- I mean, it's such a miracle. But listen, friends. If what the Bible says is true, you are a walking miracle. When will you ever fully comprehend what it means that Christ is in you through the presence of the Holy Spirit? God is in me. I mean, look at me you know, look at me. God is in me. Look at you. God is in you. Will you ever be able to fully comprehend that? But it should be part of our experience. And it should affect everything about us. And I want you to take home with you today, friends, Christmas hope is now present in you. I don't want you to change the world this week. Maybe you can. God bless you if you can. <laughs> but I can change your whole world this week. But I'd like to ask you today, as we leave, is there one aspect of your life that understanding what God has really done for you and who you are in Jesus Christ could really be affected this week? Is there one relationship that that that, that you need to come to peace about you, you may not you, you may not change the other person you know you, you you can't do that god can do that but you can you can change your attitude and your heart is there one relationship in your life that is troubling that is hard that is that is difficult that you think god could bring peace to your heart If you really allowed him to, if you really asked him and turned to him, and and the Bible says if you ask, ask in faith. If you want wisdom, James says, you want wisdom, ask him. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. But the Bible says, ask in faith. Is there one relationship? You have to change the world, but is there one relationship this week? Is there one worry that is really kind of dogging you? It could be financial. Really, you know, how is this going to happen? How am I going to make this? How is this going to work out? How am I going to get that job? How am I going to afford to retire? How am I going to do this? You know, whoops. <laughs> Good call there, huh? There, okay. And that's kind of dogging you and bringing you down is this hope. Of Christmas that God is in you, the Person of Jesus Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit that you have been made one, you have been reconciled with God. That, that you could turn over to God. And say, God, I, I, you know, I, you're gonna, I'm going to trust you to lead. I'm going to trust you. Is there, an, is there a health issue, that, that really has you worried? That really has that you you know you can do what you can, but then when it all comes down to it. Say, God, I'm going to put it in your hands. I'll, I'll follow you. I'll do what seems reasonable. I'm going to put it in your hands. Is there a child, parents or grandparents, that it's, just, it's hard? Say, when, when is this going to change? When am I going to be able to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in this person's life that, that we poured in, that, the, that they, they know the truth? They know it. Turn it over to God. Turn it over to God. Is there a struggle? Is there a temptation or a habit that that you struggle with? You know, we all have the areas where we are vulnerable. In the Bible, Paul tells us clearly, we are in a spiritual warfare. That is biblical, friends. And and don't ever feel like you're the only one going through this, because you are not. But God, the power of the Holy Spirit, can help call up the reserves. It can help with that battle if we're willing to to look to Him. You have not because you ask not. I have not because I ask not. If you want wisdom, ask God in faith. Listen, friends, what I'm asking you, and I'm asking me this morning, is there just one part of your life that, that you really need to come to God and acknowledge, first of all, what you are? You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. God loves you so much. The Holy Spirit has made you one with Christ. He has reconciled you. You are part of this mystery. This mystery that Paul was heralded to take to the Gentile world, which is so critical and so essential. You are part of that story. And it could change. It could change your life. But it begins with an understanding of who you are before God and acceptance of that. And to look to Him and ask Him. Ask your friends. Ask for prayer. Look to His Word. But understand who you are. To them, God has chosen. That's to us. To make known among the Gentiles the glorious, glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christmas hope. It begins in our heart. The hope of glory. Let's close our service, Ellen, with the song you picked out for us to sing this morning. appreciate the Christmas music. It's another wonderful part of the Christian church and tradition. This time of year is the wonderful music we can share together. And we're going to sing one now. We're going to bow our heads in our closing prayer. And as we do so, I'd like you to bow your heads. I'd like you to just take a, a moment of quiet, just prayer. And uh, I've explained the gospel message, I hope, today. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ's payment for your sins, and you have never asked God to forgive you for your sins by accepting what Christ did on the cross at Calvary for you, I want to give you an opportunity, friend, right now. You're not telling me. You're not telling this church. It's not for anybody else. But I want to give you an opportunity, if the Holy Spirit has opened your heart this morning, to say yes to God and to tell Him, I acknowledge that I am in need of salvation. I I am a sinner. And I understand today that Christ died for my sins. And I understand that I have been offered the free gift of salvation. I'd like to open that this morning by receiving Christ as my Savior. I want to give you just a moment, friend, to do that. And if you do that, I'd like you to just maybe say a word afterward to me so I can pray for you. Pastor Kevin was up here. You can see him. And just let us know. We'd like to help you in your walk with him. And for those of you that know Christ as Savior today, I would like you to just pray. You know, we're kind of in a transition between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I want you just to thank God for loving you, for claiming you as holy, and for giving you all that you need to walk with Him this week. I don't want you to... to, uh, This isn't the time today to, to tell God you're going to make up for all the mistakes, you're going to change for... I just want you to thank Him for how much He loves you and what He will do for you in your life. We Thank you, our Father, for the hope of Christmas, for the hope of eternity, for the hope of life right now to its fullness because of how much you loved us and what you've done for us. We leave this place, Lord, rejoicing, celebrating once again the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we give you all the glory. In Christ our Savior's name we pray together. Amen.